0: Welcome to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Old Skin and Bones, Craig Steele, with us on the line. How are you doing, Craig? Good. How are you doing, Jay? Good night, son. I saw a picture of you the other day, and I didn't even recognize you. What is the problem? You look like you're. Uh, you were look exactly like you did when you were 16. Yeah. My wife told me I was too skinny too. I'm. I feel good.
1: I mean, that's the goal, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I've i got a little skinny self going on myself, and uh kind of feels good to get up in the morning and uh, be able to uh, see your toes, huh? It, it does. I've,
1: I feel good, man. I hunted with a guy that last year that was 60 years old that was probably the most physically fit hunter I'd ever been around, and he made me look like an idiot. So, you know, with that, and then my wife's diet change that she had, man it's time to make a change. So I made a change. And you know, it's, it's funny, some, some people are really like, Whoa, what, what's wrong with you? And then are you sick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, other people are like, Oh, man, most of them aren't Oh, you look good. Most of them are kind of like, oh, what's what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just, you know, how much weight would you say from your peak fighting and weight? Uh, have you lost? Um, my wife doesn't think I'm 225 pounds, but, um, I think I'm 225 right now down from 255. So 25 pounds.
0: Yeah. Nice. Um, what's up with you picking on bald guys? What? Let's get, let's get right to this on your Instagram. You put a picture and picking on bald guys. So I'm ready to have it out with you right now. You
1: you, you know, you only pick on people that or or things that uh, you see in your future or at least me <laughs> and luckily I'm tall so most people don't see my uh, bald spot on top <laughs> of my head and I wear a hat a lot but uh, I'm going bald and so it's just me lashing out at bald guys that don't already shave their head so
0: just, just you're just lashing out <laughs> just having a moment
1: uh, yeah the, and Jimmy was giving me a hard time cuz I hadn't posted on Instagram in a while and it was just one of those moments where uh, I didn't feel like posting on. Inst-
0: so that's what you came up with.
1: Exactly. So I'm like, all right, you're gonna give me a hard time. I'm gonna take a selfie with you in it and your head down and then jab you a little bit.
0: So, I don't know that I'd get on Jimmy's bad
1: side. Oh, uh, no, dude, you don't want to get on Jimmy's bad side. So he's
0: luck- kind of a gentle giant.
1: Luckily, luckily, he's if you get to know him, he is a gentle giant, but he is a, he is a squirrely giant. So.
0: <laughs> so I know you're just fresh off the 30 days of uh elk hunting and antelope hunting uh what do we have to say for ourselves
1: oh man just uh for me you know it wasn't uh as a boomer of a season as i had last year um you know just for myself personally and guiding but uh in what way just as far as trophy size if i want to be honest um you know, some of the people I hunted with are great. Um, the conditions, uh, specifically for the elk, was 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 really rough. Um, it seemed like it everywhere. Antelope, antelope conditions, um, you know, I got to do a lot of scouting because uh, Lee and I were scouting for uh, uh, the auction uh, archery antelope hunt. Um, so I got to do a lot of antelope scouting, and, and that's always fun because usually a lot of people... Um, aren't scouting during that time of year but uh antelope antelope was a good time um i hunted in unit 10 with a hunter named cody fulmer who was just an absolute uh great person um fun to be around we had a really good buck um that we went after unfortunately there was two other groups that were going after him too and and uh you know for lack of better terms he was shot right out from underneath us um, uh, just the the better man
0: won um you know I, I hate get- did the better you know in situations like that I appreciate you being humble and saying that but did the better man really win in situations like that or is it just the right place at the right time and it just happened you can't beat that you know
1: what I mean yeah. you can't beat right place right time. You know, C- Cody, um what is getting back in the hunting, you know, he wasn't as comfortable with his gun. And it's just, it's one of those situations you really don't want to be in, but you find yourself in it. And, you know, we didn't kill the buck. He was a 90-inch buck or close. And uh, we didn't kill the buck. We went down and shook the hunter and the guide's hand that killed the buck and, you know, congratulated them we went on about our hunt we hunted for another three or four days and 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 cody got his antelope buck which was you know like an 80 inch 78 to 80 inches actually like 79 and something um buck let's, let's call it 80 yeah that's. i mean he's 78 to 80 is what we field judged him at he was 79 um but anyway and he was tickled pink man i you know yeah um, looked over a bunch of bucks. Oh, we looked over a ton of bucks. He had a great experience, you know, and he even told me and um, he told me, he goes, Craig, he goes, I would have loved to kill that big buck. He goes, but, and this isn't an excuse, this is this, this man's opinion on the hunt. He goes, but that buck meant more to me and getting the experience, the hunt. I got to experience the full range from sleeping out of, you know, on a cot. Um, to, you know, sleeping at our base camp to, you know, he got to experience everything and that's what he wanted, you know? Yeah, he sure he would have loved to kill that giant buck, but at the end of the day, you know, it was his tag and that was the buck that, you know, he, he killed and, and the experience was, I feel, I feel a little bit shame to say that. Um, from the standpoint of, as I didn't feel like I achieved my expectations, but I think we do that as, as guides or when we're helping a buddy and he shoots an animal that's of lesser quality than what you hope for or anticipate for, we, we kind of realize it's not our hunt and it's not our place. It's not our tag and that it's hard to back off that that mentality when you have certain expectations in your head. Um, And I feel like I taint kind of the experience for myself sometimes, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can totally relate in the guiding world and my own personal hunting. I can also relate in the fishing world. You know, I row people down the river, friends, family, what have you, and, you know, they're catching 14 to 16-inch fish and, you know, catching them on dry flies and just having an absolute ball and get to the takeout, you know, floated for six, eight hours, and they've just had the time of their life. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we didn't turn any 20-inch fish, you know, 18, 20-inch fish, that next step up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes you just have to kind of check yourself and say, what are we here for? And Mm -hmm. it's not making excuses because, I mean, you've had your share of of the limelight Mm -hmm. and your share of, you know, coming out on top and shooting the biggest bucks in the (laughs) unit or biggest bulls or whatever, but sometimes it doesn't happen. And um, my question to you on these antelope hunts, and I'm, I am an antelope novice. Uh, I went on a hunt probably 20 years ago. I, don't, I, I mean, I drive by them, and it's like you driving by a turkey. I mean, I'm like, well, was it a gobbler or a hen? You're like, I don't know. It was a dumb turkey. I kind of feel the same way with antelope. I respect them, but I just, they've, I've never hunted them. My question for you on these antelope hunts, like Unit 10, would they have 70 tags or something? Yeah, I I think there was more than that. but I mean, when you get in a situation like that on an antelope hunt where they are in the wide open, doesn't it turn into somewhat of a rat race? And my question is, I, I guess it's twofold, is it a rat race? And how, as a guide, do you not pull every last hair out of your head dealing with you know the day before the season the morning bef- you know the morning of the season and then opening day and just you know chaos it, it just seems like it doesn't seem fun to me personally yeah um but i know you love those animals i i'm just curious your take <laughs> on. It. okay
1: full disclosure i love big antelope
0: um and i know that sounds heartless
1: and whatnot but uh, you know i love looking at antelope but they're not my favorite species um, but I do love big antelope the, you know, when you see a big antelope, it's like big sheep, you know, you, their nostrils are flared, their heads big. They're just a neat animal a neat creature. They're very visible like sheep. Just easy. are
0: you saying you don't like medium sized
1: or you just really like, big I ones? just really like big ones. There's something cool okay. about a. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's just something neat about a big old ram or a big old buck antelope. They're just, they're just something that gets you going whereas a sickle horn ram or whatever they're cool and all but they just they don't get me going whereas like a you know a, a big five point bull elk you know will get me going or a you know a 30 inch two by two mule deer will get me going but you know as far as that that mediocre as far as trophy quality doesn't really get me going on on that aspect but from from the antelope hunt at least in arizona um i i personally The unit ten tag is there's a lot of antelope there. Obviously, that's why there's that many tags. But it is very competitive. Um, It is one of those things where a lot, pretty much all the almost all the big bucks are sat on, you know, by by a hunter or a guide and a hunter, Um, and you're gonna have company most of the time. So you're either going to be on a big buck and you're hoping and praying that, you know, it's just like this buck, you know, we went in at, at two o'clock in the morning because I was the only one, um, that watched the buck till dark, till it was absolutely dark, just like sheep. They don't move a lot. Um, most of the time, um, I backed out of there and went and met Cody and, uh, we came back the next morning and. Uh, you know, I, I've had guys the last couple of years. Why we got to go in so early? Because I don't want to be the guy that's driving up on the other person. Um, I want to beat somebody to the spot so that in my own mind that we didn't cut anybody off. People can adjust to me and do whatever they feel like is
0: ethically right,
1: um, but I don't want to be the guy that's their second. I want to be the guy that's there first.
0: And you're not saying specifically that anybody cut no, you off no, or anybody. Absolutely. You're saying in general, you want to be the first there so that if if it, it could never be perceived that you did any of those exactly. things you're talking One about. Of, and you're talking about not this specific cunt in in, when you generalize. You're saying in general, yes. you want to just be there first, just like I want to be the first place to a, you know, a Turkey rooster yes. anywhere so that you have the option of being there first. Okay. I, I got and what if, you're saying. You know,
1: and then if anybody, anything comes back on me, like, you know, cause of my position status or, you know, title, whatever, but I can say, Hey, look, they can say all they want, but we were there first, you know, and, and, you know, that, that is what it is. And, and so, you know, you, you kind of go in there early and you wait on a buck and you can kind of see who's you know by the headlights the headlights start coming um and then you can kind of get a barometer on on how it's going to be um there was a ton of activity where this buck was killed um and you know it just happened to not work out but it's extremely competitive it does take away from the hunt experience after that that's what i told cody cody had been i had been prepping cody for a while and said hey if we don't get him killed We'll just go hunt after that. Unfortunately, you know, you're, you're two, three, and four bucks. Um, you know, guys are sitting on them too. So you start hearing gunshots and counting truck lights that went this way and this way. And before, and before too long, you're mind screwed. Because you didn't get the buck killed that you wanted um, for you or for your hunter. Um, and then now you're going where? And then you choose, like we did this year, we chose the wrong second buck to go after just because he was he was already killed um, by the time we got there. And so then you're scrambling and now you're just, we had to take a step back and go, let's just go hunt. So we just went and hunting and we looked over probably 70 bucks. And if you can do that, if you have that mindset of, okay, I don't have to kill the biggest one like Cody. But it would be awesome to have that opportunity Um, and that you you can make something out of, you know, basically nothing um, or have an enjoyable hunt. And just like from Cody's perspective, um, he had an extremely enjoyable hunt. By the time the third and fourth day came around, there was nobody. It was just us. And so, you know, from that standpoint, if you can basically... And the units like unit 10, unit 9, 7, some of these other units that have, you know, 30 to, you know, 100 tags. If you can withstand the initial onslaught of bucks going down and not mind screw yourself, you can still go out there and have an enjoyable hunt. Now your your bucks are going to be very, very low um, as, as, as far as uh, your trophy quality, your top end trophy quality is going to be kind of mucked out. So you're gonna you're gonna have to get a little lucky, um, and and dig up something that somebody didn't see, um, right place, right time. You know what I mean? Work really hard. Um, there were still plenty of bucks available. You know, we probably you know passed on some bucks bigger than the one we killed, but you know you come back to them and they're and they're shot, and it it is it is what it is. Once you start passing bucks, you know there's another truck behind you in that unit, ready to smack them. So. Um, Let's take
0: a quick break here, Craig. Guys, the title sponsor of my podcast is GoHunt.com Insider, and they're doing a 30-day free trial exclusive for the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash J. Scott and click on the blue free trial button and go through the steps. It only takes a couple of minutes. You will be required to provide a credit card, but you will not be charged until after the free 30 days. You can cancel at any time within the first 30 days to prevent being charged. If you have any questions at all, you can email freetrial at gohunt.com and someone from the GoHunt team will promptly respond. This is your opportunity to see what all the buzz is about and the filtering 2.0 system and the application strategies for the Western Hunter. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products sounds like to me it's a stressful situation as a guide because you're wanting to yes you want your client to get a big buck but you also want them to enjoy the experience and if you don't know if number two three four five six have been seven eight nine ten have been shot you almost are just bouncing around like a pinball because you're going well let's go over here oh there's a gut pile and there's three trucks they shot that buck okay let's go over here um you know, how do you weigh the difference of wanting to kill the big buck, and what about maybe not even coming the first day or the second day and hunting the last five or six days or what have you, and just saying, I just want to come hunt. You know, you love big antelope, so you obviously want to try and kill the biggest one you can. But it just seems like it's it it it's it's a huge mental gymnastic dilemma to to try and get over the fact that okay, my you know, my top buck's dead. My two, three, four is dead. You know, let's just go hunting. I mean, yeah, no, maybe, no, maybe guys should just stay home for the first day and let it, all the chaos is, go through. There's
1: definitely that option where, you know, I mean, we book our antelope hunts five days at a time. And there's definitely that option to hunt the last five days or, you know, last four days or whatever you want to do. Um, or, or if you're going on your own to do it that way too, because you know, if you get in some of these other units though that have you know, four, five, six, ten, fifteen tags, that's why I love those units because usually um, you just don't have that pressure. Yes, you have less antelope, but um, the antelope are usually a little bit harder to find. You got to work for them. They're a little bit further off the roads. Um, you know, it is what it is, and and, and you know, it's it's all based on, on the hunter as a guide, what, what he wants or what she wants. Um, and you know, as, as far as if you're going out there on your own, just base it, what do you really want? Do you want, do you have to kill the biggest? If you have to kill the biggest and try to get out there and compete, you know, I would tell always people put their best foot forward. I always stress that because, you know, those, those situations can get pretty stressful this year. Um, there wasn't, you know, the, the, the two other groups of guys that were hunting on this buck you know there wasn't really anybody shooting at a crossfire or going in at a weird situation but last year I had a situation where guys were shooting over I you know I heard guys were shooting over the top at the buck we killed of each other you know and and that's that's the kind of stuff that you know we don't want to see as as, as sportsmen um, and yeah. and you know it's it's one of those things where um, don't let those pressures get to you, and, and you know, basically bend your your own morals and ethics to, you know, basically get a big buck on the ground.
0: So yeah, no bucks worth, no animals worth getting shot. No. Um, so the you guys are guiding the auction antelope hunter, and uh, he is an archery hunter, and he has not filled. And I know in guiding auction hunters uh, in the past that I've done on uh, actually guiding the desert bighorn sheep auction hunter right now, you know, you always want to try and get done before the general season. But one of the tricky things with the antelope is some of those antelope seasons start really, really early. Um, you know, your, your auction tag won't start till the 15th of, of, of the year that the tag is good. And, and Correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the antelope hunts, I think, have already started, general seasons, and then some of them are very close after. Um, I guess now, as the smoke clears, um, what kind of mindset, and I believe there's antelope hunts going on right now in some units as well. Today was opening day. Once the smoke clears, then what do you do? Just try and sort out and find what bucks are left and and then go for quality of hunt and try and isolate on a big buck? Well. The
1: the, it is a very short turnaround time from the raffle or the auction tag. You only have like four days before the archery hunt start. And then, you know, you go right into the rifle and muzzleloader and now you have that break where you now the, the unit nine and seven and some of these other late hunts that, that now started, um, they'll be done here in a, in a few days. Um, typically right now the, the, a lot of the bigger bucks have already started, uh, their horns have started shrinking. Um, they'll sheathe off um, next month, into next month-ish. Um, and so, you know, really right now, we're not even really looking uh, other than if, you know, if we, if we see a buck or whatnot um, or, or, you know, are out looking for something else and, and we see a buck. We'll start back up, you know, really pounding it in May um, and then June and July. Because, you know, the, the bucks are going to be, you know, a, a lot more, obviously, we're going to see what's left. Um, we have a little bit of an inventory. The one thing about, about antelope that are different than like sheep and deer, specifically sheep, but uh, is, is they get big really quick. So, you know, three and a half to five and a half, they're, they're maxed out. Um, and so, you know, a buck that's
0: two and a half the next year, he could put on 10 inches. So in other words, you could have a buck that that you saw last year, that all of a sudden, if you wait to the next growth cycle, which is what I think I hear you saying, they're gonna they're gonna their horns are gonna come off and they're gonna regrow their their horns. Um, you're saying a buck that that maybe made it through this season, that's a two and a half year old buck. All of a sudden next year at three and a half, he could be a boomer. Yes. Just in one year. Just in one
1: year, which is totally different than sheep you know, for the most right. part, you know, it takes, takes that Ram, you know, a Ram that's five and a half, he's not going to be the Ram that he is at eight and a half, you know? And right. so, you know, that, that, that's the blessing with, with antelope. You know, one thing I'd like to say about, uh, the archery auction antelope hunter and that I'm surprised and just my little Uh, ignorant mind from when I was a 20 year old hardcore DIY pound on my chest inch freak is you get these guys it doesn't matter what's what they do what size wallet uh, where they come from great people are just great people and when you get hunters like that that are clients in which I've had a few and the auction archery and hunter is one of them. You're very humbled because they get it more than 95% of the hunters out there. Um, they're, they're successful people that score isn't everything to them and that they're in it for a good time because they love the hunt. And yeah, they want to kill a good animal, but that's not everything to them. And it's just when you get hunters um, like Bob, it, it reassures you that, um, you know,
0: kind of puts a spring in your stomach. Oh, it does. It? it
1: makes you, you know, I just had uh, finished up a guy named Henry. Um, I won't say his last name, but on the rifle, or the rifle elk hunt. And just, I told my wife, just top shelf. Top shelf person just trusted you. Yeah, you wanted to kill a big bull. He's sixty five years old. He's he's you know he knew he's probably never going to draw this tag again. You know you hunted hard. You shoot the best available bull, and you know just so thankful. So just I mean the the first. I mean, he just trusted you that, that everything was going to go exactly how you say that. And it makes you want to work your butt off. And it also, it also totally bunks the myths that me as a 20 year old hardcore DIY guy had against any successful person that wanted to go on a guided hunt. And every time I do that, it makes me want to keep guiding. And sure, you get bad clients and, you know, you have bad experiences with, bad clients and bad guides and bad DIY hunters. But when when you you know, it's one thing to hunt with your family. You already kind of know what you're getting. But when you get somebody that is quote unquote wealthy, that has made it in a financial sense and can afford to go on a hunt like this and he's like, just relax. It's gonna it's gonna go how it's gonna go. We're gonna, you know, I know you're working hard. Thanks, thanks you afterwards. I mean, just can't tell you thank you enough. Um, it man, it just it reassures you that you know great people are great people, and and titles don't mean anything. So that's
0: that's a that's awesome that you bring that up. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And you know, it always seems to me those those kind of guys that have the great attitudes in camp it doesn't happen all the time, but a lot of times those are the guys that shoot the great big animals. It is and. And it just never ceases to amaze me that the the ones that are high strung and just wound up and so into, you know, does it score this? Does it score that? What you know? And then you got a guy that's just smiling and joking and having a good time, and you know, putting rocks in his guide shoes when he's you know not looking. And you know, it just seems like those guys, in in twenty years of guiding. It seems like those guys end up shooting the biggest stuff because they're just—I don't know what it is. I, it's just something mental. It's just you know the, the happy-go-lucky, and I'm not saying intense because I mean I can be as intense yeah. as anybody, but um, I have to take special note of that and guiding those special people too. And they've made, there's been some guys that have made a great influence on me to, to mellow out a little bit and to enjoy it. Um, you know, I'm high strung by nature. Um, but it is nice to see guys that, you know, like you're talking, you're, you have a auction antelope hunter that is choosing not to shoot one with the rifle or a muzzleloader. He wants to shoot one with his bow. Yeah. And he passed on some bucks and tried to hunt some bucks with his bow that at any given time he could whip the rifle out and shoot, mm-hmm. but that's not what he wanted. No, and and he may shoot a, a an average goat. He may shoot a giant goat. And quite honestly, I guarantee you the smile on his face is going to be every bit as big, no matter what. And um, that's just refreshing to see. It is. And, it is. It's real. You know, refreshing. it makes you want to work your guts out for guys like that, though. It does. It does for sure. Hi you wanna talk um, about elk season? I do if it's uh you know I've already done a few podcasts um that uh will be airing and I've gotten takes from several different guys and I'm cur- just
1: just out of curiosity
0: <laughs> i I talked with uh Chris Rowe he was up in unit nine um and he we talked at length. it hasn't aired yet, but he talked at length about his experiences. Uh, up there. And uh, I talked with Cody Nelson. He was over in unit 23 and talked about his experiences this year. So let's hear it. September 9th start date, uh, full moon on the 18th of September, hot weather. Mm-hmm. Um, I really haven't talked to you. So I'm curious yeah. to get your take on what were the conditions uh, going in? What were your expectations and how did it play out? Well, it you know, Kind of just flew by
1: really fast on us. I'd been out a lot and in a couple different units or several different units, specifically from antelope scouting. And then, you know, obviously it bleeds over and into, you know, elk scouting for stuff. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. And, you know, I followed precipitation, I followed it less now, less right now than I ever have. But, you know, the monsoon was really weird. Um, And, and, you know, it, it really flared up the end of June through like the first half of July and then kind of went kapoo and then disappeared and then had some flare ups and things got rain, things got precipitation to bring up that feed and, and some places didn't. Um, I know I texted you at one point in time and told you it was one of the driest that I've, I've seen it in, in parts. Um, and I know a lot less now than I think I ever have. Um, as far as what brings on a good, strong rut, um, and whatnot, but my, my assumptions are, um, first off, my experience was that the rut, um, was okay. It wasn't the worst I've ever seen it. Um, we had pockets of elk that were rutting pretty good, um, and then other places that were completely dead, um and it just seemed to kinda of do that um, quite a bit. Um, it was definitely drier than normal, and, and some places were super green, but it seemed like even from the ranchers I talked to in different areas, the the monsoon cells were a lot, and even some of the, I talked to some of the game fish uh, officers, the monsoon cells were seemed like they were a lot smaller you know they weren't very widespread, um, in in most areas. In early, I'm a firm believer. Um, until somebody can prove the data against me, um, that that we need a good, strong July, um, and I I really believe that. Um, and it and also there's variables like how dry was it during the spring and. And winter, you know that plays a part in it, um, and the reason being for, for any listeners, um, if you look at Google, a few different studies out there as far as elk having um, appropriate fat levels um, to basically uh, cycle uh, more consistently and and sooner, um, they need to have the right, you know, they need to have the right uh, nutrients to be able to, you know, basically cycle. It's raining right now um that's what you hear if you can hear it um i can't so it's sunny as can be in phoenix so i was a little bit worried i think i texted you at one point in time it's the driest in some areas that i've seen it in and in a long time and it was real spotty um i hunted a so lot did
0: that clump them up did that it really, really clump did seem
1: up? like and i thought i thought maybe that would bring it on quick um and I think you and I talked about it, we did have a, 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 and I have to go back and look at the data, but we did have a, a, a pretty dry January to May, which we did have some storms in March and April, I believe, um, that were kind of timely storms. But I, I don't know if we were so far down, because what I saw a lot of was, was a lot of weak backs, and I know that can happen genetically as well. Um,
0: more than average and then we but I mean unit 10 is known for big backs yeah so to hear that they had weak backs that tells me drought a, a lot of weak
1: weak in in bulls that were six by fives or five by fives that you know and when you see a droughty bull you've seen it Um it just looks like somebody for lack of better terms poor shrink potion like from Looney Tunes on the back of their horns and they just shrivel up it's like they start out great and then and uh it just seemed like a lot of that. Now we had a couple bulls that were, you know, we had pictures of and whatnot and we had previous experience with with that, you know, from years past that were about the same. You know, so wherever they were living at and whatever conditions they were in, um they 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 pulled through all right. They didn't put on any more inches, but they didn't lose much either. You know, but overall it just seemed like that. Um, you know, we we had a really tough go. We killed one um, 360 is 361 bull and he was he looked really droughty to me. big fronts, um, 50 inch beams and just just weakened fists in the beams. Um, and then you know uh, we've killed some other bulls, uh, two other bulls that were right around the 360 mark, one that was 363 and one that was right at 360. Um, they both had a horn broke off um halfway off that you know obviously lowered their score a little bit but we knew what they were complete. That's another thing we had. Um the rut was it just seemed like there was less rubs. The wall there wasn't very many wallows. Um and then for us in pockets, like literally Lee texts me and I think it was like the seventh day, he goes our big bull broke his fourth off. And I was literally sitting there with my archery hunter laughing because we had hunted a big bull for three days and we glassed him up that night. And then the next morning we were on him and I was laughing the next morning, but we were looking at him from a long ways away. And I said, Steve, Lee just said their big bull's broke. Good thing ours isn't, you know, kind of just, you know, laughing about it, that ours is still good (laughs) <laughs> Probably should be that way, but
0: I was. You know, I was happy. It was like, let, me, let me let me guess. At the same instant as you looked at your bull and his antlers fell off? About three
1: <laughs> hours later, about noon, uh, I was scrambling to get my 30s to the tripod because what I thought I saw... Hang on one second. Yeah. Uh, what I thought I saw was... Uh, my bull with a or our bull with a broken main beam, and when I put my thirties <laughs> on it, my eyes didn't deceive me. He had broke his fifth and main beam off, <laughs> and so our hearts sunk. And so I mean,
0: more more broken more bulls bro- than normal. Oh,
1: gee, many Christmas. Last so
0: that tells me that tells me drought.
1: Yes, just just a ton more. And then you know, this last week. The day that Henry, the guy I was talking about, killed his bull, which was, what is today? Today's Friday the 30th? Hang on one yeah. second. Sorry, I had to yell at the family. They just came home. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the last, what was that? Oh, three three days ago. I think he killed Tuesday. Um, Jimmy's seen two big broke bulls with beams off. I seen two more big bulls with beams broke off. And I'm talking, you know. 340 to 350 type bowls that were just shredded and you know henry looks at me and goes maybe we should just try to find a 350 that's not broke um without beams I mean and just
0: once they start breaking boy i mean you start glassing around and you spend once they you start noticing bulls breaking it seems like two days later everywhere you look there's broken bowls. and it just there's nothing you can do about it i mean it's
1: there's there's no sicker feeling then to hunt a big old bull and then him to show up with his beam off and we were on that big bull for like seven days you know and the hunter ended up ended up missing that bull um but it it's just it's just a disheartening to do that i mean i know if it's me isn't my tag that that would just it just sucks you know yeah um but it is what it is and you know and that's why you know, with with bow hunting, that you know a 350 bull is a big bull, and you you are going up against so many obstacles, um, and then you throw in a year like this where just bulls just get shredded. I mean, uh, I mean, I didn't see nearly. I mean, I didn't see a quarter of the bulls
0: broke last year that yeah.
1: that were broke this year. It's just like insane.
0: Has the 350 bull been demonized or, or let's say the under 350 bull been demonized because it, it's been minimized. It, okay, minimized is probably a better word. Um, it just seems like in talking to guys, you know, very rarely do guys. If you took all the archery bulls shot in the state of Arizona, I would say this year very rarely would there be many over 350. I'd agree. You know, handfuls here and there. But it seems like it's just, you know, oh, it's only three forty. I mean, it's not even a consideration. And, you know, some of this is is, you know, I've been talking to a bunch of guys since I've been home. Some of it's guys that have never even killed an elk. It is, um, it is.
1: And especially and, especially when you get in when you get into bow hunting, I mean, it's it's bow hunting. And and Every year is different and that's what a lot of guys don't understand that don't do it year after year and you know this. Yeah. Every year is different. Every situation is different and and just like that bulls can break. That usually happens towards the second second half of the archery hunt and all that hard work, you know, and like you said everywhere you look bulls broken and in yeah. a 350 bowl for people that haven't held one in their hands to take a 340 350 bowl with archery equipment if you've never done it there is no shame in that um yeah. that is a i mean that's better than 85% 90% of the hunting
0: population will ever kill you know and uh, don't you think though um Chris Rowe and I talked a little bit about this don't you think putting in for so many years it 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 you know, human nature to say I want a three seventy bull because I waited sixteen or eighteen or whatever many years for this tag, it just doesn't really work that way. It does. You know, if you're in tip top shape, if you can shoot, you know, if you're top five percent of of shoot of archers out there and can shoot, you know, better than ninety-five percent of the guys out there, and you know how to be still when an elk's coming in, you know how to stalk quiet as a mouse. And you know you you know when to draw and when not to draw and when they're looking and when you know you know how to get away with it, then I would say yeah you know go for it. But I just feel like people's expectations and then it ends up ruining their hunt because all summer long they've been dreaming about this big bull. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is you know practice drawing on a couple four by fives and a couple five points, and you know get good at your craft so that when the opportunity does come at the 370 bull he doesn't see you drawing or he doesn't see you moving around in the brush or he doesn't hear you or smell you or I think, you know i think there's a lot to it when you're bowing. It there is and you know it really is and, and
1: the the thing that i don't know that that i see is is we have built up this thing where you know all the marketing and whatnot with us outfitters and the tv shows and you know and i love i love everybody's dreaming of a big old bull and wants to kill a 380 you know it, it seems like even anymore 360 is not cool and and 360 is a tank you know um i've killed a 360 and a 374 and and those are my biggest bulls um public land bulls the 360 was the utah bull um and and it those are big archery bulls and i'm not saying i'm the best by any means but i can freaking go get it done with my bow and that's just the truth of the matter and but even at that i've got to catch the breaks i have got to catch a break it has to i mean i didn't kill either one of those situations i didn't kill the biggest bull i was hunting it just didn't work you just got done hunting in utah and and you didn't kill the bull that you wanted to kill. You know what I mean? But you knew that. You'd already killed bulls. And it's hard. It is freaking hard. And I think the wait time, the wait time and the branding of Arizona, Nevada and Utah being these big bull states, if guys haven't been there and gone through the failures and know that that they they become disappointed. And and then they start measuring. Well, it's it's not 380, so I'm not going to go after. It's not 370, I'm not going to go after. When, man, a 340 is big, a 350 is bigger, and a 350 is 360 is a tank. You know, I mean, it it's hard. And even and that's on a great year, on a stellar year. Let alone a subpar, you know, weak backs, crunchy yeah. grass,
0: no bugling, son of a, you know what. Yeah. You know, but don't you think don't you think in essence, though, sometimes it takes you to get through half the hunt to realize, oh, crap, this is a this is a bad year. This is a tough year. Maybe we should have shot that 350 bull on the second day or the third day or whatever. And and by the time you realize, oh, crap, this is a tough year. Everything's breaking. Nobody's reporting shooting very good bulls. Um, You know, it's almost too late. It's almost like and and I'm, you know. I'm guilty of this, too, with with a lot of different hunts. But I think you have to take all of the realistic, your expectations, and then you have to take all of the factors. How's my year? How's my antler growth? How's the conditions? How's the rut? What's the moon going to do? You know what? This year, a 350 bull in unit 10 might be a pretty dang good bull. Let's, you know, obviously, if we know of a big bull, let's go after it. But, you know, if, if. If you've got a sitting duck out there and you've never killed a bull or never killed a bull over 300, maybe it's the year to say, you know what, let's knock this 345 down on the ground. And you know what, I'll bet you a 345, 350 bull when it's all said and done out of the 100 and what is there, 150 tags in in unit 10. 25% success rate. And that's that's Uh, average the last five years. I'll bet you a 350 bull would be in the top 10 bulls harvested in that unit this year. Yep, every you know and it it's it's the truth. And and that's
1: it and, and that's the perspective and that's the, It's not a rifle. You know, it's not a rifle hunt, it's not a muzzleloader hunt. Those have their own dynamics. When you talk about a bow, um you eh, you you need to be proficient you need to be in shape you need to know when to move how to move you need to catch some breaks and you know you can never beat right place right time did you see Pat's bull yeah what a giant <laughs> yeah i mean that thing's a tank i i heard a little bit of the story i don't know if it's true but you know and he's a hell of a hunter um and you know he kills a big old bull i i heard he was checking a tank and the bull walked out and he he killed him that thing's a giant And a lot of people, but the testament, testimonial goes to Pat for just persevering, veering, you know, to, to the, and I think, you know, that's what a lot of people hope for is they hope, you know, well, if I just hang out, hang out, hang out, what I want to, what I want to just tell some guys is, is hunt for your own expectations, hunt for your own expectations. Stop talking to your buddy or looking on Instagram, looking on whatever. If you're Jay Scott and you're willing to eat your tag because you've killed some big bulls, if you're you know so and so and you're willing to eat your tag because you you've killed some big bulls and you, you you know the game already. But if you haven't done it, stop comparing all that stuff. If you're going on a guided hunt, if you've hired the right guide, trust your guide. He wants you to kill the biggest animal that's possible. That is gonna fit your abilities and the year he knows it or she knows it. He they, they know what expectations are there and what a good quality animal is for that year. When you don't, um, you can find yourself behind the eight ball. And yeah. and you know if you're going on your own, you know talk to some people. You know. Talk to Jay. Email him. You can email me. Email somebody you know that's in in Nevada or Utah. Ask them how the year's looking and whatnot. Get a barometer. Then build your own expectations. Don't hunt for anybody else. Hunt for your own expectations because what I think a lot of guys they start you know hearing these numbers and they're like, well, it may not be available in your area, your unit. They may not be going hard in unit six A when they're freaking ripping on the monroe mountain in utah september 8th you know so right. every year every unit is is different and you know every hunter is different you know if you haven't killed anything with a bow bow hunting's tough it's a, it is tough It it's tough man it's it's tough
0: it, it really is um let's take a quick break here Phonescope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely-engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. Phonescope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the J. Scott 16 promo code, and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Real Game Calls featuring the Elk Reel. Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out elkreal.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.elkreal.com. Okay, a couple quick questions. All right. You've been in Unit 10 looking at elk for how many years? Mm. Roughly.
1: 1994 was the first year I ever...
0: Okay, so 22 years. Um, Is the trophy quality of elk in Unit 10 on the increase or on the decrease?
1: Right now, Unit 10 reminds me of Unit 6A... From the early 90s. Um, what do you mean? I mean, a 375 bull, and, and I'm not going off anybody else but my own expectations because I don't believe half the shits posted and half the scores that people come up with. That, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just going off my own, what I see. That's what I want. And a 375 bull or a 370 bull. In the in the mid to late '90s and even early 2000s was a fairly common bull, and what I mean by that is, you were probably going to hunt five or six of those type bulls in a two-week period on an archery hunt. Nowadays, you're going to be lucky to hunt one or two. Um, I think if the tag numbers stay down, there's a lot of bulls in that 300 to 340 range. Um, that next year, because of just how tough it was, and if the tag numbers stay down, I think next year you're going to see a little bit of a, a little bit of a bump. But in two or three more years, if the tag numbers stay down, um, are you talking specifically bulls, bull tag bulls, numbers? Uh,
0: cow elk because they're they're whacking the crap out of the cows. Yeah, cow cow
1: elk is just population control. Um, bull, bull elk numbers. Um, that's that's what's going to manage you know your your uh, age class. And you know there's more hunts now than ever. Back in 1994, I think on that hunt, it was my dad's cousin. I think there was five tags between Unit 10 and 18A, just to put it in perspective. There was five archery elk tags between Unit 10 and 18A. So all you young bucks that think you know Unit 10, there was only five tags back then. And so... The, the reality of it is, is now there's, you know, more hunts than ever before. Um, and, and they really mucked out the age class over the last five years. And and we've become a more proficient hunter, you know, with with technology and scouting and social media and, and guys helping each other out, whether it be
0: DIY. Guys well, and not to mention hunts. the res is whacking them, too. So, I mean, yeah. the unit 10 elk really have no sanctuary. Yeah. And, you know, and for that matter, I think the age class
1: has gone down in unit nine. You know, I oh, mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's the but if they keep the tag numbers down in unit 10, I think you're going to see a slight bump over the next couple of years. If they don't, you're you're, you know. Um, but Craig,
0: 100 early rifle permits. There was 40 this year. OK, so they did drop they it dropped to drop it. They dropped it to 40. So, you know, which is 60 less bulls
1: being killed because, you know, that's
0: a huge deal. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. That, so, that, Hats off to the game and fish if for they, making that. If
1: they can keep it. So if you're listening to this and you know, if you just want to go kill elk, you can kill cow elk. If you if you just want to go kill a branch antler bull, you can go to six A, five, you know, B, you can go to a lot of different units to do that. If if you want some of these better units to have a better quality experience, unit ten, nine, one, three A, three C, you know, uh, twenty-three north, south. You need to write in to the Game of Fish and say, hey, we want some quality experience. We're, we're waiting 15 years. There's plenty of other opportunity hunts out there. We're waiting 15, 20 years for this one chance of a lifetime. We just want a quality experience. And, and if you do that, that's, that's going to pull uh, huge, huge weight from, from the public to, to do that. Not just from guides, not just you know from some rogue in-house guy. But from the general Joe Blow that understands you can't just – everybody wants to tag every year. I want to tag every year. But guess what? It doesn't work that way. It's a limited resource. So that's, that's my opinion.
0: Good stuff. Um, one last question. Uh, full moon, September 18th. Talk to me about the intensity of the rut. Uh, did, you, did you see an increase in intensity? Did you see a decrease in daytime activity? Were they working midday? What happened when the moon hit? Man, they they, they bumped a little bit in the midday.
1: Um, saw a little increase in the midday activity. Um, I think it, you know morning was was pretty quick. Um, at least you know the, the groups of elk that I hunted. The mornings were really quick. Saw a little bit of a midday activity, and then they were. From what I saw, they were bedded down within 45 minutes before dark or before the sun went down. So, you know, we stayed out all day, a couple days um, during yeah, three or four day stretch. And we did see elk up um, and, and moving around a little bit um, tor- toward the end of the archery hunt. Um, things really got heated up in some pockets. Um, it just seemed like the cows really, really broke up about the about full moon full moons when we started to see an antler breakage um and when the cow big groups of cows started getting busted but still man i just didn't there just wasn't near the number of rubs
0: wallows um it it just do you think it do you think they're gonna rut late over the next two you know, weeks you know do you know think if you went up there do you think they'd be going nuts? you know what's crazy jay is I don't know what Chris saw, I don't know what other guys saw, but
1: really been paying attention to this. Because last year we had elk rutting and bugling in November, and they were like the three and a half to four and a half year old, you know, six points that were bugling with cows a little bit. And I know people have seen that and whatnot, but there's a huge difference in calf size. And I really was trying to pay attention to what are the bulls that are rutting getting with? Are they getting with the the cows that have the older age, cows or calves, the bigger calves, because those are the ca- cows that cycled sooner. And you know, by by any you know basic logic standpoint, they should cycle sooner this year. Versus, man, there was spotted cows. So, what did you notice? Notice that, in my opinion, it seemed like the bulls that were going the hardest were with cows that have, have had bigger calves that were older. And that the, the, we had spotted calves that I was seeing the, the end of August. The,
0: it was like they bred in first part of November. (laughs) I mean, in a bunch. That's a great observation. Chris actually observed some similar stuff and was paying attention. It'll be interesting to, to listen to both of your podcasts and, and listen to, he talked a little bit about that as well. The age class of the calf, um. That's a real interesting it's really, observation. Really
1: wide, really wide, and and you know Lee and I talked about it. and It's like okay, so does the cycle ever drop back? Does it ever tighten up? Is this a
0: thing that's you know? I think it would tighten up with good moisture conditions. I think so too. I mean, because I think it has to do with the health of the body. Yeah,
1: I, I I think so too. It just does it take two years? You know what I mean? Of of yeah. consistent? I, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't have that answer.
0: So, okay, I know you're busy um Toyota had some issues. I saw a picture on Instagram with you yeah doing a bunch of maintenance with a blue tarp over it, and I think I obviously you know I get a lot of people, comment get, you know get, you should get, buy a Ford and all that stuff, but I get a lot of a lot of people. Give me crap about my ninety-six Toyota and how like, What's up with that sucker? It's got like five hundred thousand miles here's on it. Here's the bottom line. Don't every part's been changed. It's every part is new because you've changed every single part out. Don't be a cheap ass <laughs> like Craig Steele and buy good suspension.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so don't buy what'd you do? Buy the aftermarket yeah, stuff? Don't and- do that. And especially when you're out there pounding it going 100 miles an hour on crappy roads and you won't find yourself in as many situations as i've found myself so that's that's the moral to the story actually
0: that's it that's all yeah you, this, that's, this morning you're just going to end it with morning, that with your tail tucked between it, your legs this morning
1: i ordered a grand uh in suspension a two inch lift two and a half inch lift old man emu so going to get that all dialed in and then go from there and the fact is I drive a '96 Toyota to hunt out of most of the time, and it's because I bought it for four grand, paid for it cash, put money into it, don't have a payment because I would rather spend money on elk tags and other gear that I need. And that Toyota is killer, um, and that's just.
0: You mean you don't drive a brand new 2016 truck with a $700 payment just so that you can drive around and look cool?
1: You know, if 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 I made. I just t- had this conversation with my wife. I will never buy a vehicle again for myself that I can't pay cash for, and it's not because I'm wealthy. It's just because I, I don't want to have bad debt. So,
0: I love it. I live by the same principle. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, I broke a leaf spring coming out of 23, ha! and
1: the Raptor.
0: And- no, not on the Raptor, on my trailer. Oh. And so I was calling around, seeing if my buddies were anywhere around, and um, I called my buddy Daniel Franco, and he actually sent uh, Craig Blackburn with the trailer to pick up my Ranger. And in mid, as he was coming to save me, I called uh, Seth maskey down in Payson, and he came up, and we were both working on that leaf spring, and getting it switched out on the trailer and he's like where's craig steel when we need him i said i know i, I know we need we need craig steel <laughs> oh, here I miss, I miss seth yeah but you're getting good at uh toyota maintenance you could actually probably be a certified toyota i can tear the, uh, I can tear the front end down real quick so out in the <laughs> woods
1: so lee was pretty impressed so
0: right on, great. buddy. All well, right, um, it was great talking to you. Great to get your insight. Uh, congrats on your antelope and uh, elk success, and uh, look forward to seeing you down the road here. And uh, as always, it's just awesome having you on here, and and uh, the the uh, listeners just love uh, the podcast with you. So uh, you and Lee are doing a great job. Keep it up, and thanks for your insight, right, man.